Yes. Exactly. No, it's it's a perfect example, right? Because I think um, you know you can't understate the power of the things that kind of inspire us, whether yeah. we consider them to be essential or not. It really doesn't matter to me, right? Where. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Luciano Cast. This was the first podcast I have ever done outside the state of Michigan. So, kind of a special deal. Got to catch up with one of my good hometown friends, John Boss. We talked about awesome things like how he started a robotic underwater technology company, uh, the legend of powder days being down there in Denver in the snowy mountains, and all the way to leadership and creating environments where people around you can thrive and as a person being curious, humble, and creative. Um, all that and more in this conversation. I hope that you like it and I hope that is enjoyable. And with that... Yeah, man, no, feel free to just kick it off however you, however you like. All right, well, John Boss, welcome to the Luciano Cast. Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, letting me join you here in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think um, this is the first podcast I've done outside of the state of Michigan, so I'm like super nice. excited. This is like a first, so um, yeah. <laughs> nice. No, happy, happy we're able to make it Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we first met kind of through like the pitching circuit is what I would call it um, in mm-hmm. Grand Rapids area. Mm-hmm. Back then you were pitching for a company called like Fathom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so let's just start at the beginning, like, you know... Where'd you come from, man? Where are you at now? And let's talk about where you want to go and anything else that comes up in between, like any tangents are totally welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so kind of starting back in in Michigan, as you know, I uh, went to school there. I actually came out, uh, graduated from college with a degree in biomedical engineering, randomly enough. Uh, yeah. But then me and a few classmates, we kind of got this entrepreneurial bug, right? So, yeah. so it's kind of like the number one piece of advice I always have for college students or students in university is just to say, use that time to explore ideas and, and it's kind of the perfect sandbox to start a business, right? Yes. Where the risk is relatively low, right? So hopefully you look at it like a sandbox. Exactly, exactly. Like you have you have resources there, kind of in maybe if you're at an academic institution, right? Or if you're even doing like a trade school. I'm huge advocate of trade schools as well, but you know, it's one thing where you kind of can use that time to explore things. So that's kind of what we did um, when me and a few classmates came up with this idea. This was kind of in the original boon of like drones, right? So this is when DJI was just taking off. Oh, yeah. We can think back to that, right? Love me some DJI. Exactly, exactly. And it was funny because we kind of saw that trend and we were all engineers, of course, all giant nerds. And so we're like, what can we do to kind of have this, you know, this fun, like, you know, product that we can make. We're really into physical, you know, building durable goods, hardware projects yeah. that combined our love for hardware and software. Ride this wave. Exactly, right. And so how can we ride this wave? And so after a lot of brainstorming, it was actually my good buddy, Danny, who was one of my co-founders of that company, who said, you know, there's, there's all these drones in the sky right now. And this is really cool. You can kind of put yourself in that experience without having to get a pilot's license, right? So, so yeah. why can't we do the same experience underwater, right? And so... Ultimately, what we were able to do is is kind of say, let's take the same drone technology and let's apply it to underwater, you know, an underwater drone. So yep. we kind of said, let's let's start with this, let's start running with it, see where it goes. And and so it was funny because we kind of almost started as kind of a fun side project. And you know, this kind of like aha moment that everyone talks about having with a product or a business was we were just testing it. You know, in a pool one day at at our college, Hope College. So in you Holland, guys like three D yeah. printed something, like tried to make it waterproof, and that's what you're testing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like we <laughs> we were like scrapping together whatever we could use to like you know just rough up a prototype, right? And we we get it to you know our college's pool. We were testing it one day, and kind of like you get these magic words from anybody when you start a business, and someone asks you, "Where did you buy that thing?" Right. Mm-hmm. So so it was kind of like. Exactly. And so you're, you're kind of side. Exactly. You have this moment. You're like, oh my God, like before this, you're like, this is just a fun side project. Can we actually sell this thing? And so that's kind of what originated the idea for okay. our company Fathom, which built underwater robotics technology. <laughs> that's incredible. And then you, then you guys started doing like the pitching circuit, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like, what was that like? Like, how much did you, can you tell me how much you guys raised? Or like, you guys raised a good amount and got kind of far with it, right? Yeah, so interestingly enough, um, we actually didn't raise much through that process, but it was an amazing experience. Oh my god! I see you guys at I see you guys at every pitch competition. I'm like, oh here, oh geez, like 
hats off everybody like these guys got it (laughs) no 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 I mean honestly for me like a lot of like my love for that phase of the company so coming kind of straight out of college as you alluded to like the pitch circuit kind of as we call it where we have all these startup competitions you're pitching against one another whoever has the like the most solid business plan best idea wins some level of money right so so when we went through it though the thing that we always encountered in the area that we were pitching as you know as well Western Michigan, Michigan in general, is heavy into um, kind of like biotech, medical tech, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of times we found ourselves going up against these companies that were saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to cure blindness, right? We're going to do these sorts of amazing things. And even though, you know, as someone with a biomedical engineering degree, I'm like, okay, these people are way off from ever making this a, a reality. And knowing all the, the complexities, I know, and, and, and knowing all the complexities that would entail, they still want all the money. And so that was actually a really good kind of test of our resilience as co-founders oh, yeah. by saying, you know, hey, we're doing all these pitch competitions and we did win some here or there, a lot of second places, third places, best effort type of prizes because everyone's like, okay, it's an underwater robot. That's cool, but it doesn't really solve a problem, mm. right? And so so ultimately um, what we did is we went through that whole process. We, we did a lot of these pitch competitions for a few years and it was actually really exciting because all of that did kind of culminate into eventually getting into what's called Techstars, which is one of the kind of premier you know startup accelerator programs. Yeah, uh, that's in like the United the States. big leagues. Yeah, so it, it was it was funny because we kind of went from this very regional pitch circuit uh, theme to now what was a an, an accelerator that's an international accelerator yeah exactly you kind of hear it you know sometimes thrown in the same sentence as y combinator but it was like you know this really cool tech accelerator which was bringing in teams from all over the world that we were then able to kind of learn from and collaborate with and help yeah. kind of push our ideas forward i'm pretty so. sure like i texted you one time like hey man like some of us entrepreneurial people are going to get drinks later you want to hang out and you're like I'm actually going to be in Dubai <laughs> for text hours. I'm like, oh man, say what? It's like, what is that? I know, <laughs> yeah. and that's and that's kind of like the beauty of being a like really young, somewhat naive entrepreneur, right? Is that like you you're just running with these things, right? Yeah. And and it's great because like in that process, you know that for, for that Dubai example, right? There was this whole competition hosted by um, some element of the government in Dubai that was that was funding kind of robotics for good, right? They were looking for technology that was solving some sort of problem in the world. And uh, the way that we really positioned our technology was for, you know, reef observation and, you know, underwater observation where a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind for that whole realm. But with our technology, we could use that to capture events and bring it to the forefront and bring Mm. it back to people's attention. That's cool too, because like, it's just cool, right? That's why you wanted to do it, right? Like, you exactly. just want, it's like, yeah. underwater Joe, like, hell yeah. It was just a cool this. idea, right? Yeah, That's, yeah. You, you got it. But, like, when you're pitching, like, you have to find, or when you're selling yourself, right? Like, when you're, whether you're applying for a job or you're pitching a business or whatever, like, you got to find some sort of angle in there that people will care about. You got to exactly. find some kind of exactly. something in there, right? Yeah. Whether yeah. it's a stretch or it's not a stretch, yeah. you got to make it up or you don't. got to find that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's funny because. One big lesson that I kind of had, you know, being taken away from that whole experience was that even though the technology itself didn't solve a concrete problem we could put our finger on, it was all about passion. It was all about the excitement we could create around this new technology that we were building, right? And so it was kind of a clear example of why people buy into like a brand and they buy into people rather than product. You hear that cliche a lot, right? You do. And yeah. so we really try to embody that kind of idea of, you know, adventurous spirit, you know, use this technology yeah. to get out in the world and discover. You and, said a picture of yeah. Jacques Cousteau and stuff in your pitches. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh Trust these me. guys got the Jacques I got no chance. We, we, we got a lot of mileage out of our Jacques Cousteau like quotes and imagery, you know, well, during the, the fathom phase of my career at least. So yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So, but then that kind of led to, um, like, more for you, right? Yeah. Like, in the yeah. same way that, like, um, for me, like, doing, like, that pitch circuit um, in college turned into, like, a job in product development. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of in the same boat where now you're doing product development, um, product growth kind of thing. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, so it was really interesting after, you know, doing Fathom for a few years, decided to kind of move on to the next step of my career. Yeah. And, and after kind of looking for the other side of the fence, right? So coming from a very scrappy, small startup, um, going into wanting to kind of experience 
life at a larger company, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I knew kind of immediately that in the context of a larger company, the job role that would fit me best was product management, right? So in a lot of ways, I know this is kind of a booming profession among tech companies right now, but um, I started to look out here actually in Denver because I'm a total ski bum at heart. And so so it was kind of like I knew I wanted to live here, right? But at the same time, I wanted to still find a company that I could be passionate about. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of taking that experience, what I learned from that previous company, applying then to uh, what's now a, a S&P 500 company, it's called Trimble. And so what Trimble does is build a lot of kind of uh, construction equipment automation technologies. So still a very like um, hardcore blend of the hardware and software coming together, kind of create a whole cohesive That's where the solution. magic happens. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. You can exactly. blend those two worlds, or any two worlds, honestly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that kind of led me to that position, and it was really interesting to kind of see how I could still apply a lot of those skills and the passion that I knew I had for entrepreneurship, but within a larger company. And so a lot of times, you kind of- less risk. Exactly, well, exactly. Still fun, a lot less risk. Still fun, a lot less risk, right? So like, you know, if you if you don't make you know enough sales for that quarter, uh, you're not gonna be eating ramen for the rest of the month, for example, right? right. So so I <laughs> right. think, I think in, in that way, it was really cool to kind of be in a larger company environment. And it's just much different, right? And it's oh, just totally. a much different, experience but at the same time I could still find those elements that I loved about doing a startup mm-hmm. even at larger companies and so um, I think again it kind of in the context of a larger company really is what you make it in that in that sense mm. so yeah yeah because like at bigger companies there's um, people can kind of get away with not doing their best every day yeah right but if yeah. you come from uh, like a startup yeah you got that scrap to you right and exactly. so if you want to make it's some like is the biggest or best possible situation for yourself and the company. Like you kind of already had the experience to like really put that foot forward and and go after it and you know really make it what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think there's an element of kind of you're working like there's no tomorrow sort of thing, and you're you're kind of grinding it out. You have that kind of hustle that you learn from kind of being reliant on yourself, right? Yeah. And so like obviously in a startup, you have to you're only really beholden to yourself, especially in the early days. And so taking that mentality and then applying it to a company that um, is, is quite a bit larger, right? And, and you can kind of have those off days and you don't feel so, so down on yourself for uh, you know, not doing what you think is your best. A little more forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think for me, like, that is, that's great, right? And that's, it's a little bit less stressful, but I think ultimately um, I still had that bug for that kind of uh, somewhat faster paced, smaller company environment that a startup brought. So yeah. ultimately, then I was asked to join yet another company, um, which I'm at now called Go Contractor, uh, which is still kind of in the same a vertical, the construction technology vertical, um, but doing a bit different things in a different role yet again. So. Yeah, it's kind of like the way that it's blending technology and physical products, um, like blending that startup and bigger company. Like you can you can go from like a I think they can both help each other, right? Where like a startup mentality in a big company helps give you that I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go for this big vision and I'm gonna work towards that big vision, right? Like I don't need a, I don't need to have a carrot dangled in front of me. I got mm-hmm. this big vision. Mm-hmm. I'm going for that thing, mm-hmm. right? But then also you can get people from um, this is kind of like a side note, right? Because but like you can go from a big company to a startup and bring in like processes, you know, exactly. things that you know work or have to happen. Right. Versus like if you're a startup person doing a startup. There's a lot of question marks, and you might not even know what all those questions are that you should be asking. Exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. means that there's a lot of answers that you don't have that you don't even know you need. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I think that's ultimately why I did want to get that larger company experience for a few years where yeah. I knew I was going to learn those processes and establishing kind of the frameworks to be successful, right? And seeing that with within, in the context of a lower risk environment, kind of like we talked about. Yeah. So. So now it's really great because being able to then come back into what's now a more mature startup. So we just closed our Series A um, back in February, I believe it was. Oh my God! So they're raising money. The company you're at. Yeah. So so just closed just closed that recently. So so a Series A round for for five million dollars. So we're able to use that to kind of expand the team. Uh, you know, kind of um, expand the addressable market a bit and what we show do. proof so, of concept. Ex- exactly right. So it's kind of still on that quick iteration phase of, pri- of finding that kind of pure product market fit, right? Whoa. Which is really exciting. Yeah. 
So, oh my god. So wait, how much were you a part of that for like the raise? So I would love to say I did more, but actually I joined because of the raise. So, <laughs> okay. so, okay. so you know, hats off to the leadership team, uh, you know, that that was doing that before I even joined. But um, you know, I was kind of engaging with with um, the CEO of that company now, uh, mm-hmm. who I worked with previously in my role at Trimble, and so he they kind of voiced his interest in, in bringing me on to to head up the product management team at the company and so to head it up yeah so so it's great right because um, a lot of times you know in the startup environment you do have the opportunity to really try on those leadership roles mm. far before you might be able to in a larger company right so yeah. so obviously I'm, I'm really passionate about leadership and mm. building technology so having that opportunity yet again to jump to a leadership role was was really exciting for me that's cool no it was like um you know, speaking of like blending worlds again right like being in Denver, you get people who do work hard and do play hard. I mean, you're yeah. T- yeah. Can you tell me what powder days are? That's a, such a foreign concept to West <laughs> Michigan people. It's it's great, right? You know, like like I said, being a ski bum at heart, I heard the same legend of having powder days at work out here in in Denver. And the I know legend of powder days. The legend of powder days, right? So so in essence, what that just means is that if you just get dumped on the night before, it's understood that you can be out of work for maybe, maybe half the day while you get to go ski in the, terms of snow in, in terms of snow. Thank you. Exactly. I yeah. say that out here and it's just understood, right? right, so right, right. Dumped on in terms of snow and you get to go out kind of for like the first time. It's not cool where I come from. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> much, much different concept. I'm sure. No, it's, but it's perfect, right? Because you, you get out, you know, you go ski for the first half of the day and you come and you work the second half and everybody's just on the same page that that's normal and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause it's just such a lifestyle. Is out there here. an extra hustle when you guys get back in the afternoon? Cause you guys like had fun. You guys are like, all right, I'm excited. Let's get this. I feel like that's the vibe. Is that the vibe? Yeah. Yeah. Or is everybody like still like, oh man, I was off all day and I just, I'm not really focused right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, right? Because I think that I've, I've definitely worked with some of the most kind of focused, fiercely intelligent people that are out in Denver, but still have that element or that side to them yeah. of just loving the outdoors and loving to kind of have a life outside of work. Right. And yeah. I think because you can find that balance, you can be more effective while you're in the office. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Cause like, you, cause when you're at work, you mean it. Yeah, exactly. Right, and when you're um, having a powder day, like you mean it. Like you're enjoying yeah. that time. It's kind of like this. Um, I watched Live Love Laugh or Live Love Pray or whatever. Live Laugh. Eat Love Pray. Eat love, pray. Eat love Pray. Yeah, Eat Love Pray. It's something <laughs> like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Some order with, of those words. Julia Roberts, or whatever. Yeah. I, just, I watched it for the first time like a couple months ago. But all that to say is, I remember the Italian guy going like. You Americans, you need somebody to tell you it's Friday, and you know, have a beer. Now it's time to enjoy. Like, yeah, but yeah. Italians, we just enjoy. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, but like, it seems like you get a little bit of that here, where it's you get to separate that. But then you can, I don't know. I, I had a like, I was gonna tie it together. I just didn't do it. Yeah, no, no, no. It's totally no. It's totally fine, right? So I think I think you're spot on, right? Because. This is just speaking more generally about, I know something that I've definitely come to appreciate through being in roles where it's so easy to experience that burnout and it's so yeah. easy to kind of lose that, that love for what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you have a sweet job, exactly. but if you're doing a day in and day out, you know, if you work from home and you're always in the same corner of your living room or something like, right. and right. if you don't, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why, that's why I'm a huge, like I am a huge believer especially for any teams I've influenced over, you know, where in, in my workplace is, is the ability to just step away, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's this idea a lot of times, right, that's been shown over and over to be ineffective is to, like the idea to power through, right? And it's, and it's so unhealthy, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's so crucial to set a, a standard, especially as a leader within a company to say, it's okay mm-hmm. to take your time and step away because yeah. ultimately when I, I know when you're gonna come back, you will be more effective and you will be more focused. Yeah, right? I kind of equate it to like earplugs, right? Where like yeah. something should be really loud and you should wear earplugs. Yeah. But I'm a tough guy, so I'm not gonna wear earplugs. It's like, dude, you're gonna ruin your ears and you don't. You only get two. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Exactly. You should, not, you should exactly. definitely protect your ears in the same way. You kind of gotta protect that spirit, that human spirit, that love that you have for life, and then you can bring that into work. Agreed. Because if you don't Agreed. protect it, you won't have love in anything. It, exactly, and I think ultimately, outside of just being productive in your actual job, right? Your job role, your yeah. whatever company you work at, 
it's infectious when you do bring a good energy into the workplace, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in the same way, it can be infectious when you bring a really bad energy into the workplace, right? So, so I think it's 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 supposed to be kind of productive on all fronts. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a leader, promoting that time off so that you can not only be effective, but also make sure that the rest of the team feels healthy and they feel energized and they feel excited because yeah. that's the one thing I know that personally I find most challenging sometimes is to always bring the energy and always bring the excitement. That's challenging um, for you? Yeah, right. I think because it's, you know, we're just human beings and, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, we have our off days, right? But oh, especially yeah. when you're in a leadership position, um, the one thing that I at least has worked for myself is bringing a sense of kind of vulnerability with the people I work with and saying, you know, my team where I, where I get to say, you know, you guys, I'm just, I'm not feeling it today. Like, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm just not feeling, I'm not jiving today. Yeah. And if you kind of expose yourself like that, your team feels more comfortable kind of exposing themselves and feeling like they can tell you when they, you know, aren't feeling the best. So, yeah. so How's I think that's that helpful, yeah. John. Yeah. So yes. How could that possibly be healthy for the workplace? Right? No, it's, it's, it's just great because I think it's all about trust at the end of the day. Right. Okay, and, yeah. and just, and being able to say like, okay, you know, I trust you as my team enough to just let you in on my personal feelings. Right. Yeah. Cause I think, I think we're now starting to see this trend in the workplace where people are admitting to being human beings mm-hmm. and we're not, and we're not pretending to be machines anymore and saying like, yeah. everything's okay. Everything's awesome. Yeah. It's like, no, like, this kind of sucks. Like, this might be kind of a shitty situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what I found, at least through, through my experience, is that when you get that out in front and you embrace it and you don't try to sweep it under the rug, nine times out of ten, you see better results than when you try to take mm-hmm. it away. Yeah, because even then, it, like, your attitude improves that way, right? And if your attitude improves, your work improves. Even if your work won't improve that particular day, you might have more excitement and passion the next day, right? Yeah, and totally. Then, and then that carries on because you know that you can be yourself and you bring yourself, like, you can bring your full self to your work. That's that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you have a team underneath you? So, yeah, so actually right now our, our product team is growing pretty rapidly, with it, which is exciting, right? Yeah. And so so I think with any kind of young organization that's kind of in this, this high growth phase of their development, mm-hmm. um, it's great because, you know, you have this plan to just constantly bring people on, constantly coach people, get them up to speed, while still kind of maintaining the highest level of productivity you can, yeah. right? So, so it's great because I think, um, you know, between design, product management, engineering, uh, within the larger kind of what we call our product team. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I just get to work with some really, you know, high-speed individuals. That's cool. Yeah. High-speed individuals, huh? <laughs> the highest-speed individuals. The exactly. highest-speed. The highest-speed, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like We're in the Mile High City, so why not? Exactly, <laughs> right. It all makes sense. Yeah, it all ties together. So, like, what's, what's kind of good leadership to you? I wasn't expecting to talk about leadership today. I mean, I wasn't expecting, I mean, yeah. I was expecting a good conversation, that was it. So, but, uh, like, yeah. what is good leadership? Yeah, no, no worries. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty broad, right? And I think you can break down the concept of leadership into a bunch of different buckets and what makes a good leader versus a bad leader, right? Yeah. And I think ultimately, you know, so there's many buckets. all the buckets, <laughs> all the a lot buckets. Of buckets. Exactly. Everyone's got their five buckets or three buckets, their nine buckets. Exactly. And it's and it's kind of it can it can be a really subjective exercise to try to identify what makes someone a good leader. And I think right, right. at the end of the day, just at least in my own experience, speaking for myself, it's just there's there's a few key things that are pretty consistent that everybody talks about that I agree with. Is okay. the first one really being humility, right? And I mean you just you have to be humble, in my opinion, in any leadership position to really get buy-in from your team because the moment you start acting better than someone is the moment they start pushing away. You get some rebelliousness. Exactly. Like, fuck this dude, I'm not gonna do exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> like, right? I'm not, I was yeah. gonna do it, but because you're acting that way, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> it's, you know? it's true in the same oh, way. sorry, Captain, I can't get to it till next week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's kind of in the same way that you have like teens re- rebelling against their parents, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like because you want to impose these these processes and frameworks that may or may not be productive and you're kind of constantly acting superior, 
you know, inevitably that's going to lead to a toxic environment. A disaster. Right? Exactly. So, so that's why I think really like that, that humility is, is the first key element to me. And, and the second one I think that I've identified at least with myself and, and the teams I've worked with is curiosity too. Okay. So, so it's funny because like when we talk about a curious leader, it not only means like how can I, how can I constantly learn? How can I be more curious about my own profession yeah. and my skill set? But how can I be more curious about my team yeah. and understand Inquire about them? Right? Exactly. And show them that, you know, I care about them. Again, going back to the theme of caring about them as people, not just people who are or individuals who are going to deliver something for me right. as, as the team lead. Right, right. right. I mean, so. if my team does well, then I'll get this bonus and then we'll all be rich. And well, they might not be rich, but I will. And <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so it's all about that kind of like mutual benefit that you can get when you, when you really are genuinely curious about your team and your own skills. And I think that's kind of like, you know, that, that really last piece is, is a really a good leader in my opinion is no matter how I think established they are and how proficient they are, mm-hmm. there's always that understanding that there is always the ability to be better in some way, shape or form. Interesting. Right? Yeah. What is that? Like, let's talk about that for a second. Like yeah. the, the feeling to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that's always like with the team. Like, so you're operating from the assumption that these high speed individuals, these highest speed individuals want to be better. Yeah. And so you're looking for ways to probably remove barriers from them, right? Yeah. And yeah. looking for trust to be a way to remove those barriers. Find yeah. out what those are so you can remove them for them. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's that's the best kind of when we talk about removing barriers being a leader, I think that's that's the pretty like one of the number one roles in my opinion is like, you know, remove barriers so you can get out of your team's way so they can do amazing things, right? Yeah. And then support them in, in doing that. I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to do amazing things, right? And some people have the ability to do them no matter what. Mm. And most people don't, right? Mm. I mean, people like, um, I just listened to Winning by Tim Grover, right? And so yeah. he helped coach um, Kobe Bryant, yeah. Michael Jordan, right? And yeah. those guys had it. They were gonna be successful no matter what. Right. Whether they played baseball, golf, whether they were a VP of product development, whatever. Right. Like they're gonna do that, right? right? But most people, maybe I'm in this boat, I don't know. But like most people need support environment yeah. um, to do that, right? Yeah. People need like permission or to know, to trust, yeah. to be propped up in a way that they can accomplish those amazing things. Because everybody wants it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's why you know, we, we can't expect, uh, you know, all of our teams to be Kobe Bryant's or Michael Jordan's, right? And, and, and that's just not realistic for ourselves even, right? You know, yeah. so, so I think it's a lot of times to, um, it's just kind of unfair to ask your team to kind of thrive no matter what, right? Whereas I think, you know, that's kind of another element that you have to do effectively as a leader is create that environment mm-hmm. where they can thrive. And they're, you know, they feel confident, they feel trusted, they feel like they're heard, right? And all of these just very basic leadership things that fall through the cracks, Dude, especially the when you're- fundamentals. It's the fundamentals, but it's, it's so funny because they are also the first things to go when you're under pressure, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's easy to say all these things when you know everything's going really well. Oh, and so we've right. heard yeah. this over and over, right? I'm not saying anything new, but this is why it's so important to reiterate, yeah. is that it's great when everything's going well and it's easy, but when the chips are down and fires are, are popping up everywhere and people are getting angry and you have customers yelling at you. I think that's when it really will decide what kind of leader you are. When you reinforce those values, even in the face of that adversity, when, yeah. you know, everything in you is telling you finish at all costs, you know, build at all costs, ship at all costs. Um, it's like, no, profit I even at all costs. profit at all costs. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's why, you know, you'll see, even though there's like the teams that like with the recent kind of COVID experience, everyone was affected by, mm-hmm. it was, it's the, the easiest way I can kind of describe it in a business context is the companies that simply just let people go and the companies that decided to cut everyone's pay a little bit so everyone could stay, yeah. right? Including leadership, right? Including <laughs> leadership probably being the most cut, right? And saying like, we are going to take the biggest hit knowing we're likely still going to make a comfortable earning off this, but like... I'm willing to sacrifice my own livelihood a bit so everyone else can still have theirs, yeah. right? And so I think that was, you know, there's so many series on resilience and, you know, you know, kind of succeeding in the face of adversity that I don't need to go over that piece. But 
I think that's ultimately what I always strive to do. Don't always succeed, but I always strive to do. Yeah, with my course. teams too. Yeah, sh- uh, you know, shoot for the moon, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll land in the stars. Yeah. But like, um, back to that book, it was talking about Michael Jordan would practice the chess pass. Yeah. Before every game, mm. the best player in the whole wide world to ever live, right, <laughs> is practicing the most fundamental thing there is to the game of basketball. Yeah. yeah. And like, and also kind of reminded me of like. Um, People always say, well, it goes without saying, but sometimes you should say those things, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you, you, like, yeah. you know, you think something's going without saying, but then your buddy says it, and yeah. you're like, oh, no, dude, you should not have done that. Well, I thought that went out without saying, but I should have told you not to do it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's funny because, you know, there's, like, this common, uh, like, kind of rule of thumb in product, in the, in the kind of product management discipline in general is that, Whenever you're creating a spec for a new feature or something, yeah. never, ever, ever start a list and end it with ETC, etc. Right? So we're going to do this, 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 etc. Right? It's like, no, you have to explicitly lay out exactly what you're going to do yep. or else you're kind of setting your team up for failure in that way because you're assuming they know what you're talking about. Yep. And and it's funny because I had to catch myself doing that a few times where, like you said, it's, it's the fundamentals, the things that you think are all understood. Yeah. Lead to you know the most um, you know miscommunications. I and said, Blue, this is turquoise." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know, being being explicitly you know or explicitly defining what you need, and then also you know it, it goes the same for kind of the whole leadership discussion too. Is like you know you have to act those things out, even if you think they're just being like you're just being understood. Mm-hmm. Then you have to be really intentional a lot of times, or else they're not going to land. They're not going to be conveyed. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes, dude, I love that. Those are. Oops. Leadership conversation out of nowhere there. <laughs> I love it. You know, obviously, you know, I love talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, what about like Denver? Like, what is this place? Yeah. 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 So, no, I mean, Denver, Denver is awesome. I think it's been fun to be in a city where, you know, if you looked at it 10 years ago, it's a completely different city than it is today. Yeah. And I think, of course, I was part of that generation that moved here and, you know, it was kind After of... After it was sweet. Exactly, right? Everyone, you know, I, I kind of got to it when it was old news that it was awesome, right? And I think, um, you know, we're seeing that with so many different kind of what used to be considered consider kind of like second tier hubs around the world or around the United States, especially now, where, you know, just the expansion of remote work and people moving where they want to live rather than yeah. where they have to work is really driving, you know, a lot of the people to live in places like Denver because it is... You get the four seasons. You get all sorts of activities. You know, you got a lot of a lot of great companies here. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great spot. So that's cool. So, is there anything like besides skiing going on, or like what's going on? Uh, yeah, you know what? Never mind. Time out. What about the tech scene here? What's going on here with like startup scene? Like, what's yeah? Like, what? How do you get connected in like the startup scene here if you wanted to? Yeah, so it's it's actually great, right? Because you know, just like a lot of cities, there is these kind of microcosms of you know uh, people that work in tech, love tech, live, eat, breathe tech, right? Yeah. And and we're seeing that more and more in different kind of industries coming to Denver and, and having physical presence here in Denver, right? And so I think one of the first things that I always you know suggest at least to people coming to the city for the first time, especially where we're not fully in-person events yet. And we're still, you know, kind of opening up the world again after after the pandemic. Um, is first of all, to there's a lot of like public Slack channels you can join, which is actually really, really? cool. Yeah, I didn't know about that. yeah, exactly. So, like for example, like for product management, there's a great channel. There's a Slack channel, Colorado Product, which um, I think was started by a few either ex or current, uh, you know, Twitter employees, product management, senior yeah. product management individuals. That just, again, you can tell, ever, like a lot of people on that channel are just so excited to learn, so excited to get connected, mm. especially from a product standpoint, kind of my world that I operate in. And so there's so many of those kind of uh, you know, groups online that you can join. And then eventually as we open back up, there's just the events just like we got to experience in Michigan uh, that of course you can go, you can learn more, you can start to network again, which yeah. I know I'm super excited about as the as the world opens up. Oh my god, no kidding, dude. I mean, I've been pretty much everybody that I've done a podcast with, I've met like doing the pitching circuit or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's either somebody that a friend of a friend knew, or like um, somebody that I met like at one of these entrepreneur entrepreneurial events. Like, yeah, it's a whole thing. So I'm definitely excited for all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So. Product development. What are what are some fundamentals there? Like, so I think a lot of people have ideas, right? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. got ideas, right? And then they see that you know being sold in the stores, and they're like, "Oh my god! Like, I should have been me. I should be a millionaire right now because my ideas are really great." And, yeah, yeah. You know, but 
um, as somebody, so my job is to look at people's ideas um, mm-hmm. and kind of assess, you know, what's the viability of that, right? And yeah, yeah. Everybody and their mama thinks they got a great idea, but it's just not always true. Even myself, right? Most of my ideas are terrible, right? Yeah. But when yeah. I have them, I think they're awesome. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, right, right. And so, like, what is that? Like, what are, how do you know if an idea is good and what do you do if it is? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think there's a lot of, um, you have to kind of start to narrow your gaze immediately when you start thinking about an idea, right? Because, you know, as my profession, it's kind of our job as product managers to come up with the right thing at the right time that's going to meet the need for your specific customer, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times, too, um, the first step, you know, and it sounds so fundamental, but the first step really is to understand, okay, I have this idea, who does this idea serve? Right, I mean, it's it's number one. Who does it serve? Who does it serve? Right. So, who's the customer? Who's the user of this product? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's just the number one step that I think so many people actually glance over, which is funny, right? Yeah. Because they have a great idea. They think they have a great idea, and a lot of times it is a good idea because they thought of it. It obviously has some impact to themselves, and there is a likelihood that there's other people like them that either have the same pain or have the same interests, and they want to use that product they've come up with. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they, they fail to realize the scale at which it solves a problem, mm-hmm. right? So meaning it may be a solution for me and my fellow other five, you know, um, you know customers that are in this super niche, uh, you know, group yeah. of interests, right? But I think, I think that's really the first step, right? To determine viability of an idea is right. really just to do a quick kind of analysis on what is the potential market of this yeah. idea, right? Like, Before you even get even get to like commercial viability or you know um, you know building the actual thing or developing the actual thing. So. Interesting, yeah. Because like even um, you know like for let's say it costs five dollars or thirty dollars or a thousand dollars, right? It might be cool to have, but like would somebody actually pay five dollars, thirty dollars, or a thousand dollars for it? Yeah, right? people yeah. might tell you, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. But would they actually pay that price for it? Yeah, yeah. And right. that's so so that's of course always the golden question that you know we have to determine as as entrepreneurs and product managers yeah. and, and just anyone with an idea in general, right? Is that's even kind of the next step, which is okay, you've identified that there are people that are interested in this thing, mm-hmm. right? Now the question is how much do they value what you've built? You know that they're yeah. interested, but how much do they actually value it? Yeah. And, and people work really, really hard for their money, right? Whether it be a business that is really working hard to generate a profit, or if it's an individual that has some expendable income mm-hmm. that you're trying to pitch them an idea and why they should trade that expendable income for your idea, for your product, right? And there's kind of this uh, common you know, benchmark that I know that a few kind of thought leaders use where it's, a solution has to be nine times better than the precedent to or the incumbent solution to actually get a customer to switch. That makes right? sense. So you have to develop something that is, you know, a just multiples better than their current situation to get them to actually transition yeah. over. And so I think sometimes that that idea can be daunting to people. That they say, how could I possibly come up with a process or a product that's better than what people are already doing? It's yeah. it's it's the way it is. How can right? you overcome those switching costs? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. this product might be I'm just to quantify it, right? It might be 30% better than whatever else is in the market, but the cost is 200% more. Yeah, exactly. That math doesn't add up, Jack. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. That's, and it, it kind of goes into why it's, it's really this kind of multivariable equation that you need to consider when you're yeah. developing a product. And it's not like, you know, we're not talking about rocket science here. It's just, you know, the, the cost, the value, what yeah. people are willing to pay for it. And <laughs> then what else is in it? more critical thought than most of us put into most things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But which is why it's so much fun, right? Which is why it's so much fun to be able to do that because course, yeah. I think the people that really thrive in that environment are the people that are always going back to some of the tenets of good leadership are always curious, right? Like they're always curious and they want to learn more. And they think that they can, you know, if, if one person can build something, why can't they, right? right? So why can't they build something too, so. I think another thing is like, um, people blend end users and customers together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're not the same, you know? Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, so, so <laughs> I mean, so I mean, even, even, 
products I work in, you know, for my quote unquote day job right now, yeah. right? Like, so, so day job. exactly. Right. Cause all of us entrepreneurs always have some side, some sort of side hustle going on. Right. And, but I think, you know, that's just to keep us creative. But I think, um, when we talk about, when we talk about like the end user and the customer, them being different things is crucial to understanding how you build a product. Right. Because mm-hmm. in, in many cases, when you're working on, you know, B2B software or B2B product in general, the company itself is buying a solution, but they're prescribing it to their employees, for example. And this is a really common thing that was kind of in the more legacy years of SaaS. And now what we're seeing- Software as a service. Software as a service, exactly, right. Yeah, exactly. So, So, but now what we're seeing is this more end user first approach, which is actually starting from that user level and then get you know growing their customer base within an organization, starting at the user level, which gets then that company to buy into the solution, mm-hmm. and they then realize their customer who's actually that company, but they start with the user. And that so this is this is kind of this this concept that's been around now for a long time called product led growth, right? So product led product led growth. Led gr- product led growth. Yeah. Ooh, what's that? Yeah. So so it's it's funny, right? Because <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah, so, so it's funny because I'm a huge advocate of a lot of the work that groups like OpenView Ventures are doing. There's some really kind of early evangelists of this idea where you build a product that's just phenomenal for the end user to use. At least nine times better. Exactly, right. Nine times better than what they're doing today, their current processes. And then the end users love it so much, they go to bat for it with their company, with the actual you know, purchaser, the decider is actually going to uh, be putting down the funds to purchase the solution in the long run. So and they become evangelists for it, right? Exactly, right. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because if you start with that user and you get them to be just religiously using your product, your key metrics like churn, retention, engagement, right? They're all going to be better when you start from the user first. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, so you were saying side hustle. Yeah. Keeps you creative. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's funny, right? I, I'm not talking about, I'm not doing any sort of business on the side at this point, but I think what I'm talking about is always having a project, right? Mm-hmm. And so you always have some sort of thing that you're doing that's outside of your day job that's purely a passion project, right? Mm-hmm. That could be a piece of software you're building, that could be you know, an arts and crafts project, it could be a poem you're writing, a book that you're writing, it could be anything, right? And I think what's so important about having a side hustle, kind of no matter what your position is at a company or what you do, kind of like I said before, for your quote unquote day job, is that it kind of flexes different you know, muscles in your brain that mm. you don't get to do when you're kind of in your, that can sometimes be a repetitive day job, for example. Yeah. So when you use that opportunity to create something outside of that, it does allow you to look at those things that you do every day in a bit of a different light. Yeah, right? yeah, it gives yeah. you like a different, tool set or yeah. toolbox or mindset. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, All I agree. Yeah. Um, one last note on um, end users and customers. One thing that I've kind of learned that helps me kind of separate the two is like, if you buy like a, a baby toy, yeah, right? The end user is the baby, but the customer is the parents. Yeah, exactly. Right? So exactly. the baby's not walking up to the store and buying stuff. Right? Not yet at least, right? Not yeah, yet. yeah, exactly. Not, not until exactly. crypto comes in and they can just buy it with their eyes. <laughs> exactly, something crazy like that, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what's next for you? You don't have any side hustles right now? Like, I find this unbelievable, John. <laughs> no, so so I think at this point, nothing to speak of, right? But um, a few, few hopefully good ideas that will turn into something someday. So. No, I think, um, I think honestly, honestly what it is, again, like I said before, it's just, you know, you have those things on the side that keep you creative and then, um, you know, allow you to just kind of have passion in something, you know, mm-hmm. find that passion. Sometimes it can be hard to maintain passion for that thing you're doing from nine to five. And that's just natural and that's okay. And I think that's why it's so crucial to set, you know, create a good environment for your teams. But at the same time, I think, you know, if you have those things on the side that you're doing, whether you're looking to monetize that thing or not, um, it's just all about staying creative and staying curious uh, and constantly be learning about something new. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, By the way, I didn't know you were a biomedical engineer by trade. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. You know, uh, my my professors would probably, you know, hate me for not flexing that biomedical engineering knowledge more. But (laughs) no, I think I think it's, it's actually something I'm still hugely passionate about, you know, the medical field, especially as technology relates to how we're advancing medicine. Um, you know, very rapidly these days. And you have anywhere from, you know, the, the more kind of established medical device companies to 
you always got to mention companies like Neuralink doing amazing things, right? But I think at the end of the day, it's just uh, the ability to affect the quality of life of people is what I actually gained that kind of official degree in. That was the reason why I did it, right? Because yeah. I'm hugely passionate about using some sort of technology to improve the quality of people's lives. Interesting. I mean, yeah, whether that's a medical technology, um, which is the kind of world that I spend most of my time in, or it's a underwater drone, like there's value in purely entertainment. I yeah. mean, I listened to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, of course, and Elon Musk was on there one time, and, he, and even Elon Musk was saying there's a lot of value in entertainment. Yeah. You know, like, that's, it, it's different. It's different than in creating Neuralink, which is going to help people who can't move their arms and legs move their arms and legs again. Like, sure. But it's not that value, but it's still valuable, right? Because it still gives you, like, a lens. It gives you imagination, right? And yeah. if you have a, um, an ability to be imaginative, that goes into what makes the world better because that imagination turns into creating whether it's medical products or it's new ways to do construction or it's going to space like you have to imagine that's possible imagine other ways of getting there because you know before there were i don't know lawnmowers like you had to imagine a lawnmower right like that's imagination to get there right (laughs) exactly the simplest of things exactly no it's, it's a perfect example right because i think um you know, you can't understate the power of the things that kind of inspire us. Whether yeah. we consider them to be essential or not, it really doesn't matter to me, right? Where where I think that's why, again, it's so important to step away and do those things that you enjoy, whether it be, well, you know, for me, like I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, for example, Are right? You? Yeah, oh, I, love, I love all things sci-fi. And especially like, <laughs> you know, you get into any of the popular sci-fi movie series, you know, it's just it's just great because it kind of allows us to let that inner child out a little bit when we talk about the power of play, yes. even even as an adult, right? Where I think what is the power of play? Yeah, so it's it. I promise I am not coining that term. It sounds very like you know marketing slogany, but yeah, I yeah. the power of play, everybody. The power of play you can slides exactly. in your cafeterias. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I think I think just the what I mean by that when I say that is. Is just that it allow it'll it, it's it's the ability to give yourself license to just like not be an adult for a little bit, right? Yeah. And be like, hey, I'm going to just experience pure joy in something that I do, whether mm-hmm. it's as simple as watching a movie or going on a trip or whatever that yeah. is, right? I think that's why you know I especially love living where I do personally is because you know you can you can step out and like during the ski season I can go out and just be a total kid on the slopes when I'm you know out there skiing and enjoying myself and then. When Monday rolls around, okay, I get to be my best professional self again. But mm. you know, if you can't counterbalance those things, you become a really one-dimensional person, yeah. I think, and you become and that someone uninspired. Anybody, including yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I was agree. listening to a podcast uh, again. It was on Joe Rogan with um, Georgia St. Pierre. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. heard of this guy? Ah, uh, rem- remind me. One of the best UFC fighters. Yes, ever. I do. Yes, yeah. I knew that name ring a bell. So yeah. he was. I mean, he was a cool guy to watch. I mean, he. he I mean, I watched him back in like two thousand. 10 or something around then when he was like just ripping people alive um but his idea was that um one of his ideas was that um it's the power of play where um if you are in the gym and you're so pressure that you're like i have to punch this many times i have to punch this way and if i don't do it and you get so frustrated then you just have a shitty practice and then you have shitty practices in a row because you put so much pressure on it yeah because you're just trying to be like rigid and like the whole time yeah um it doesn't help you as a fighter right and you know translate that to whatever you're doing and so for him it was like the number one thing that helped him be really good in the gym and then on the in the octagon when he had to fight for big money was play Mm. right he had to be playful in the gym that way it was fun he was grooving he could he could um what is the word improvise and, yeah and you know and not think on your feet but react on your feet yeah respond on your feet yeah in a way that um you did the right thing when it mattered because right. when you're playing you're not so rigid in things you're um you know you're just playing you're yeah, just playing. Exactly. Th- things happen and you flow with it things yeah, happen and you flow exactly. with it right and that's what you should do at work um, things happen and you flow with it right. instead of it should have been this way and you get hung up on it should have been this way right instead of continuing to flow continuing to do the best thing possible without even thinking about the maybe negative thing that just happened yeah exactly and it's it's funny because you saying that kind of reminds me of a really common quote you hear in product management specifically which is you fall in love with the problem not the solution mm. right and so so meaning like 
the real joy comes from this really challenging problem we're trying to solve. Yes. And just because early days we think we have a great solution to it doesn't mean that's what's going to be actually shipped, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's all, like you said, kind of going with the flow. And you say, like, hey, new information comes along, something changes, we're not going to pound our fists and, and just just force our original thought to be the way it is because right. that's just not healthy, right? Yeah, that's not productive. Playfully. Yeah, exactly, right. And you, can, and you, and you don't... Um, I guess have a big enough ego to say my original thought, even though it's it's what I thought was going to be the best, actually isn't the best. Yeah. Based on what our customers are telling us, based yeah. on what we're seeing in our product analytics, all these different things, um, you know, you can you can apply to that professional side as well. Yeah, I had another um, podcast episode. This one was on my podcast where um, we were talking about um, when you have a good idea, right? And that I was saying like, you know, I think I'm right all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. like, I think it has to be this way. But when you are um, you know exploring with it and you're curious with it you know just because you, you might have a good idea and the it might not be the good end product though your idea can become a lot better when you open it up for other people to offer yeah. their feedback and mm-hmm. offer their ideas right mm-hmm. and yeah I think it goes right into it yeah which also makes me think of like it's important to be around people who are having those imaginative thoughts right who go oh cool what about this? You know, that, that yes and. Yeah. <laughs> improv term. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it, it all flows together, right? And it's all connected, like yeah. you said, where I think it is, it is just so key that you, you don't make those decisions and you don't do that work in a vacuum for that very reason, right? Because mm-hmm. whether it be opening up these ideas to the rest of your own internal team or what's more important and absolutely crucial is that you open up with a customer and you kind of open up those ideas that you have, whether it be you know, for a new product that you want to build or for your uh, nine to five day job, you know, you're, you're communicating those things and you're getting the feedback and you're constantly iterating and improving based on what you're learning from the people that actually get value out of the thing that you're building, so. I love it, I yeah. love it. Yeah. John, this has been so freaking fun. It was great to catch up with you again, dude. I haven't seen you since uh, Innovator Night back, yeah. in, back in Michigan a couple Absolutely, years ago. absolutely. Um, is there anything else you might want to share? I mean, you got a platform right now, you know, like anything you might want to share with the world or if... Yeah, honestly, no, I just appreciate you having me on. It's been a ton of fun to catch up and talk. And I think, you know, just what's, uh, I think always a good reminder for us all is that, you know, we don't have to pressure ourselves through this, this phase where I know so many people are establishing, we're not establishing, but they're experiencing this, this mental burnout, especially with their nine to five job. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be seeing what, what a lot of people are saying is that largest amount of people you know, leaving their current job ever. I think what's just always fun to remember in conversations like this is that you can bring that element of play, you can bring that element of, you know, inspiration and and just not taking yourself so seriously into your J job. And yeah. but you can still be highly effective and you can still get what you need to get done. So no, I just I appreciate that uh, we're able to have this conversation catch up. It's been a ton of fun. Hell yeah man. Well thanks a lot. Well that was a lot of fun and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big shout out to John for sharing his perspective on topics that are really important to both of us. Um, I hope it was valuable for you. It certainly has been for me. And uh, until next time, go forth and prosper. Peace.